Welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one chapter or this season idea at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet for me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Wonderful to see you as always this fine, fine morning. How you doing? Mm. I'm doing pretty good. Got uh, my coffee in hand and uh, ready to talk some light. Excellent. That's going to be lit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh-huh. I have mostly decaf tea. So hopefully okay. you're going to have to carry this one. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. So. This episode, we are going to be, you know, this whole season, we're going to be exploring uh, the fourth gospel, John, more big idea and patterns uh, than like working linearly through it. And today is going to be kind of a rat king of metaphors that we're (laughs) going to explore here. I'm sorry you have to have that image, but it was in me and now it's also in you. Uh, <laughs> we just watched Nutcracker Suite, the ballet for Christmas time, so we got the wow, rat king yeah, gets defeated, very right? Very specific costuming of rats to make this rat king. Right. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> they have jingle bells. So yeah, we're going to talk about this uh, trio of metaphors that that braid nicely. Uh, we're going to talk about light. Uh, we're going to talk about revealing. We're going to talk about rising up in the fourth gospel I'm, I was su- surprised to see the connections that I hadn't seen before when you first pointed this out to me and as I've sat with it it's really been satisfying to um, trust how the metaphors can all play together so uh, I'm excited mm-hmm. to get to share this with everybody today yeah and I guess really it where we should start is a recap on um what you have discovered about metaphors in your translation process, because Mm, I'll put the cards mm -hmm. on the table here. These neither, none of these are particularly surprising translation shifts for you. Um, I suppose the rising up is at a few points, but Mm -hmm. um, really I'm I'm not doing anything controversial most of the time. Yeah. yeah, but it began in in Matthew when you were translating the gospel according to Matthew, seeing how often certain words you were translating things differently there, and it was seeing a pattern of a a, a wide metaphor set that was getting squished into different shapes, and so you lose that big metaphor. Could you give us a walkthrough of that? Sure. Yeah. The the one that we found in Matthew and have continued to see throughout all of the books that we've talked about mm-hmm. um, is this idea of walking a path um, or maybe more historically the way, but it's a way like a path, not a way like a, the manner of how you do it. Right. It's yeah. So I like path better because it's, it's more clear that that's what we're talking about. It's in the Greek, it's the same word that often gets translated as road or along those lines. So, mm-hmm. but these images of deviating or sinning more traditionally, deviating from the path, stumbling off the path, sidestepping from the path, 
uh, and it doesn't use the word the path following. all those times, yeah. following how you walk. Like it's yeah. all these words that fit with taking step by step along this path, even if it's not using the word path itself. Yeah. Uh, like it's there in these uh, concepts. And some of those decisions, like going from sin to deviate, that was, or deviation, that was initially your commitment to um, do better than religious technical terms or terms mm -hmm. that have a particularly um, violent or shame inducing legacy. Those were commitments right. you made. And then along that way, you found, oh, wait, actually, this kind of. Um, pairs quite intriguingly with these other metaphors mm -hmm. and the, the words for sin, like I, I think like we talked about when we we're going through Matthew it's not that I just I don't like the word sin I don't like the kind concept of sin so I'm just gonna like sweep it away and yeah hope no one notices it's like no I'm gonna translate it in a way that actually gives an it's talking about and not just having this technical term that you get to define it in your systematic theology textbook, but don't have any sense of what it means otherwise. Yes. Um, yeah. And it really does have to do this the sense of veering off course. It's that archery mm -hmm. uh, term of not hitting the target. So you're going off course, deviating from the trajectory yeah. that you're, you're intending. The strip. And yeah, it's like bowling and going getting a gutter ball it's instead of the strike that you're going there for. You go. Yeah. 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 So thank you for that, that summary. Um, I think what I learned through that was really how much you can trust the metaphors and like introduce them to each other and see what happens in scripture, even across authors, because these are all authors broad across a broad movement over the course of several decades yes but they did pick up on common imagery that then you know plays off each other and creates new things so like the example that you gave of, of walking or the way or the path mm -hmm. i mean for heaven's sake the first name the early christians had by others was the way mm -hmm. like that's kind of and that how they kind of identified themselves they weren't christians they were the way. Um, so here, just trusting, you know, it's an interesting thing to trust metaphors as opposed to, I guess, technical or forensic language, because so often mm -hmm. something like sin, we'll just keep using that image or that word, um, becomes this um, containable, grabbable, manipulatable mm -hmm. um, technical term that we can squeeze into other, into shapes that we want it to and hit people with and feel in control over. It's also mm -hmm. just not how it's not reading it, this literature as literature. That is not how to read a metaphor is to go, ah, that, that metaphor is actually quite literal and speaks about something very tidy and discreet. Right. Um, yeah. When you metaphors... try to like boil it down to be, it clearly means this always. And like, that's it. Yeah. No more discussion. It's like, 
metaphors don't work like that. It's meant to help you build connections and see layers and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, same thing goes with story. Stories and metaphors are um, the place I, I think that um, following a um, doctoral advisor of mine who said that you know story and metaphor are the two places that God's authority or the animating power of God resides in sacred scriptures, not a, a formal systematic way, but in the mm -hmm. messiest ways possible, metaphors and stories. I love yeah. that that's the way that the divine um, animates and brings to life the sacred literature. Yeah, which works so well with what we we're talking about for conversation mm -hmm. that like conversations are messy there's misunderstanding there's a back and forth there's clarifying there's different perspectives sometimes clashing sometimes building on each other yes. um and it's not just this well-prepared five-point speech that is impossible to mistake because it's been so well laid out and mm -hmm. it's one directional communication mm-hmm it's interactive by nature. Yeah, it's interactive by nature, which is, I would say, fundamentally egalitarian. It's more mm -hmm. accessible mm -hmm. than more religious technical language. Um, it resists systematizing. Um, it, it doesn't allow a words a word to like live in the arcane, like bacchanalia of. <laughs> of mm -hmm. academia or re professionally religious people good yeah. though they are and important though religious scholarship is this is this podcast is basically lay scholarship geeking right like we're fans of this we get into the greek right but metaphors insist that we don't go the direction that that academic route has gone of um kind of putting the vastness of the sacred story and god into like little test tubes and um under a microscope that's not how it's meant to be explored and understood right. so mm -hmm. so we see we see metaphors here that we wanted to just explore with all of you today uh and again, that metaphor set is, um, they're pretty loose, but I would say it, it, it's light, it's revealing, and it's rising up. These are really commonplace metaphors for us in the way that they're being used. Mm -hmm. um, but to see them used here, yeah, bouncing off one another, um, that's, I think, where the magic happens. And to hear them in some ways as relatively novel things back then, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. So the way I'd yeah. like to do this is let's get let's go through um, six. Like before we hit record, uh, we picked out six different uh, excerpts from John that we'll explore. We're going to read it. We're going to have it up on the screen, and we'll talk a bit about it, and then we're going to see what we learned by the end of it so, sound good to you yeah awesome. yeah that sounds good I'll point out like light the word phos in in greek is 
I translate it as light just the same way that places that everyone else does. But that's not a change that I've made it in any way. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, just, just in translation, finding these themes. Um, the second one, the reveal, I actually don't use the word reveal, partly because this is not the apocalypsis, the uncovering revealing that's talked about a lot in like Paul's writing um, and, and other places. But we're, in this book, the word that gets used a lot is the, it's where epiphany, like it's where we get the word epiphany, which is coming up here. Yeah. Um, and it literally means like to shine light on. Wow. Okay. It's not so the that's like that. uncovering, it's right. illuminating. Right. Oh my um, God. So I translate it <laughs> different precise wording in different places but essentially it's something like sometimes like making it clear or illuminating or yes. shine like yeah but that's that's part of how i it clicked for me that like this theme is bigger than just the word light here yes uh, it has this epiphany this shine on language that is around too that's great All right. yeah. In other translations, they just use end up using reveal for both for the shine on and the uncover. It gets just gets both just gets translated as reveal. Mm -hmm. Like that's not wrong, but like let's help it be distinct a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. All right, sir. Will you please share your screen with yeah. good folks and? Yeah, and while I'm doing that, maybe you can explain why we chose to include rising up with light and shining sure um yeah yeah it's uh it's a phrase that you use in your translation often wherever we would normally have um well there's a quite a few places where it just makes sense but there's also places for like resurrection like to re rise insurrection erection resurrection <laughs> right um so the reason that that gets paired with these other ones is when the light comes into the world of every day what do you do you wake up you rise you are illuminated like that's kind of the thing holding all this together is <laughs> Well, light clearly illuminates, that one's easy, but light also awakens. And so awake, being awake, being woke, uh, was a, I, I would say one of the top images for joining this Jesus movement in the first century mm -hmm. is to become awakened, to rise from the slumber of death. Death, sleep is a metaphor for death, laying is a is a metaphor or is an image of sleep of death so mm -hmm. to um have the light of christ shining on you in your heart in the world um that is what you do in response is rise up mm -hmm. so that's why it's here yeah and we're not going to hit every place in john where those words show up um goodness no but but there are two basic Greek words, agero and anistemi, and I've chosen 
somewhat arbitrarily to translate the Egero as rise up or stand up most of the time and anistemi is reawakening um, they have basically the same definitions those two words um, both having to do with standing up um, yes. is the most literal core meaning and then it gets used like you said to wake up um, or rise from death mm. or or like you talk about raising up a prophet or raising up an army or standing up against oppression all of these words and we're literally just like he was sitting and then he stood up like it, all of these uses like just like in english the stand is pretty flexible hmm. let's start in john yeah. one let's do it okay so this is starting in uh the middle of verse three there where the sentence begins but it's after we talked about the conversation uh, mm -hmm. was with God, the conversation was with God. Uh, and what has come into being by it, the conversation was life and the life was humanity's light. The light shines in the darkness, it's related to the epiphany word there. Mm -hmm. uh, and the darkness did not overpower it. A person came into being sent by God who was named John. He came to tell what was happening so he could tell about the light so that everyone would trust it because of him. He was not the light himself, but he would tell about the light. The true light that shines on every person was coming to the whole world. Let me say that again. The true light that shines on every person was coming to the whole world. It was throughout the world and the whole world came into being through it, but the world did not recognize it. Boy, yeah, that verse nine that you repeated is incredible. It's making it clear the light is something that is not small. <laughs> it, right. it fills right. everything. It is like the sun. If the sun could fill all 24 hours of the day, all the way around the globe, right? Mm -hmm. um, it shines on every person coming to the whole world. This isn't just a campfire. This isn't just the sacred bonfire in the temple this is everyone everywhere mm -hmm. all at once uh, <laughs> yes yeah and alluding to the sun and the daytime is appropriate it just starts talking about that and some of the ones we'll read soon here um but it is the sense of even even the darkness of night is temporary right it, mm -hmm. it's there's the cycles of light and dark, but it's for the whole world at different times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to be a theme throughout the fourth gospel is like, this is for everywhere, for everyone. This mm -hmm. is, there's a certain audacious scale to the story John yeah. is telling of, of um, who the Jewish Messiah really is for everyone mm -hmm. yeah it's not just for at this time israel or in our time the church or yep. christians or the people who do you have the right doctrines or it's for everyone yeah like 
the light of the world does not belong to Christians. It doesn't belong to the church. It doesn't belong to your bishop or your elder board or you or the Pope uh, or the Metropolitan. It belongs, it is, it is everywhere. It doesn't belong to anyone. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. The circumference is nowhere and center is everywhere. As they say. Yes. Yeah, I love the anti-control power, not just of the metaphors, but like of this metaphor right here as it's just like thwacking any sense of um, Mm -hmm. power games. Yeah. All right, let's go to John 3. There's all three of the metaphors in that, isn't there? Yeah, this one has all of them. Woo! Yahtzee. All in one space. So for context, this is when Jesus and Nicodemus are talking together, like in the middle of the night. Um, so they're they're sitting in the dark, uh, probably around a fire or something, but it doesn't doesn't specify. Just, so no one has ascended to the heavens except the one who descended from the heavens, the Son of Humanity, just like Moses raised up. There's that word the snake in the wilderness, it's necessary for the son of humanity to be raised up so that everyone who trusts him will have age-long life. You see, this is how God loved the whole world. He gave the one-of-a-kind son so that everyone who places their trust in him would not be lost to death, but would have age-long life. God did not send the son to the whole world in order to put the whole world on trial, but so the whole world would be liberated through him. The one who places their trust in him is not put on trial, but the one who does not trust has already been tried, since they have not placed their trust in the name of God's one-of-a-kind son. But this is the verdict of that trial, that the light spoke to the whole world, and the people loved the darkness more than the light. It was because their actions were corrupt, for everyone who practices rottenness hates the light. For everyone who practices rottenness hates the light. Does not, and hates the light. Does not. I left out a word here, everyone. Uh, <laughs> okay, so for everyone who practices rottenness and hates the light, does not come near the light, so that their actions won't be exposed. But the one who behaves with integrity comes near the light so that their actions can be displayed because they have done them with God. Hmm, with God. That's fascinating. A little kick at the end. Yeah. This was a mouthful, but there's a sense of being raised up to be seen. Mm -hmm. And then it ends with that same idea of being raised up into the light, being shined on to be seen. Um, it's all all tied in here together and that's that's part of the purpose of raising up or waking up um, mm-hmm. standing up for justice and truth and, and love um, all these things that those words can hold yeah uh, talk talk to me about this uh, verse 19 in particular uh, the light spoke to the whole world and the people loved the darkness more than the light. Yeah. 
I get this image here, like we talked about the metaphor of the path before, and that certainly shows up in a lot of these uh, sections that we'll be reading. Uh, the image that came to mind reading this particular one, um, which I is part of why I set the stage with, I wonder if they're sitting around a campfire and then, you know, in the evening here mm -hmm. is, uh, we're not talking about place with electric lights and street lights that can be on all night long. And we're talking about pre-electric humanity here and the images of being in the camp uh, in the wilderness, for instance, Israel like is the receiving Torah um, or even in this case, being in the city, city being very different than what we imagine as city now, it's much smaller and still lit by camp lights, yeah. uh, campfires. Um, yeah, it's the sense of being in the light means being in the community. Mm -hmm. When it's nighttime, you're together around the campfire, eating dinner, telling stories, singing songs. Um, and the people who avoid the campfires are the ones who are outside the community trying to cause harm. They're, they're stealing or mugging people or or whatever it is, but the ones who are sharing and building and being together and caring for each other do that around these lights, these yes. fires. And the ones who are trying to get ahead at others' expense are the ones who are avoiding the light so as not to be seen. Hmm. That's a very physical image that's being used here, I think, for larger things. The oppressors might not hide that they're, you know, pulling out their swords and threatening people to, to do what they're told. Yeah. Um, but their actions are corrupt. Their actions are getting ahead by harming yes. others. Yes. Um, rather than being together. It invokes the, which... This is a, something I think is a theme from throughout the scriptures is all the way back to Genesis four with uh, Cain and Abel and God asking Cain, where's your brother? Is like, how would I know? My, my brother's keeper, keeper being King James <laughs> translation yeah. there. But it's, it's like, am I the one who's supposed to like look out for him and protect him and, and keep watch over him? Yeah. Yeah. That is in fact, the calling of humanity from early in the in the garden is to be the guardian and the caretaker for everyone and everything in creation. Yes. Um, hmm. So it's the people who are sitting around these campfires in the community building that that are doing that, rather than hiding in the darkness. Yeah, like to get away from the light, get away from is to get away from one another. There's an isolation dynamic to it. And the metaphors you're doing, and you know, we are really like, I should acknowledge right now, none of this is implied in the text, but that's the power of a metaphor instead of a systematic term mm -hmm. is you get to explore it, inhabit it, indwell it, let it indwell you and see what resonances are there. So are we claiming all the implications of the campfire are in this verse? No. 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 Yeah. 
but this is what it means to play with a metaphor and you get to do that um mm -hmm. jesus and the earth and the apostles do that with their sacred scriptures of the hebrew bible um so it's keeping it's in keeping with them <laughs> to be able to play with metaphors like this mm -hmm. but that said like this so this this image of holding fast to the light is to there's a togetherness to that there's a um the, con the the examples you gave theft and burgling and all that yeah it's it's um breaking down the common good in the common life like to be in the dark to be not in the light of the christ um regardless of whether you know it's the christ or not Mm -hmm. There's a fundamental will to life and communion in the cosmos, in humanity, uh, or, or with humanity that, um, w generally wills a good common life, a good ecology of, of humans, not being assholes to each other. Uh, so <laughs> it's not just Christians huddling around going, look at the fire. That's actually Jesus. It's right. Um, but if you, to meditate and tune oneself and to tune one's block or neighborhood toward this Christ, towards these Jesus stories is to be illuminated, illuminated and warmed by something that keeps us from wanting to corrupt, hopefully, hopefully keeps us from wanting to, um, corrupt the common good and mm -hmm. enjoy the darkness, the rot, the rottenness, as you say. Right. Yeah. And part of the payload of those ideas coming to mind for me here is from having read the rest of these and other places in scripture that builds this sense of this is what Jesus is doing. Yes. So let's, let's look at some of those. Yeah, let's keep going. Say the next two kind of go together. Um, in John 8, Jesus spoke to the Bible scholars and Pharisees again. I am the light of the world, he said. Whoever follows me certainly won't walk in darkness. Instead, they will have the light of life. And probably like most people, the Bible scholars and Pharisees are going, what? <laughs> What does that mean? Some weird and shit. And spend to say, the rest Jesus. of yeah, yeah, and then so the rest of chapter eight basically is them arguing back and forth. Like I don't know exactly what you're saying here, but it sounds like a really arrogant thing to say. So cut it out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. him being like, no, 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 you're misunderstanding me. Like it's not. I'm not propping myself up. It's God that has called me to do this stuff. And they're like, uh, no. Yeah. And then so ch chapter nine then becomes him. Okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So as he passed by, he saw a person who had been blind from birth. His students asked him, Rabbi, who deviated to cause him to be born blind, this person or his parents? Neither this person nor his parents deviated, Jesus answered, just the opposite. It has the result that what God seeks to accomplish can be clearly shown, that's the world for shined on here, oh revealed with him 
it is necessary for us to work toward what the one who sent me seeks to accomplish as long as it is daytime. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he heals the guy, spits in the dirt, rubs it on his face, which doesn't sound super kind, but no. uh, it was the mechanism that he used to to have this person wake up, be able to see, open his eyes. To have light come in. To have the light come in. It's a little on the nose, Jesus. Well, just above, but you take my meaning. Right, yeah. right. Um, and so he's showing this is what it means for me to be the light of the world, doing the kinds of things that I'm doing, welcoming the people that others reject, and who healing those more, who yeah. don't others treat as unworthy. And are just objects of their own speculation. Like, which one of these did does our religious system say is shitty? Him or his parents? Like, they're not using their religious tradition to say. And this this is his disciples. This is Jesus's own like pals, right? right. Are like, oh, who effed up? Uh, my god like this person has just been objectified to recreational power uh and and um diminishing he's being more dehumanized not more humanized like it doesn't spark compassion Mm -hmm. in them and so and jesus just like dude this is all ridiculous and demonstrates to them that he is literally now a vessel for light to come into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this is a good example to me of the difference between like often when I've heard the church talk about like be in the light other than those and not like those in darkness. And it's very much a we're in the light, other people in darkness and this judgmental we're better than. Um, they wouldn't say that we're better than because then that wouldn't be attributing it to god that would be works not right grace but but that's what they mean um and jesus being the light is exactly the opposite it is welcoming sharing with others drawing others into it as a gift not uh jesus doesn't make this guy change his ways first or say the sinner's prayer in fact he's emphatic that he didn't deserve it mm-hmm. it's no like you're suffering let me help you not suffer anymore mm. let me share my light with you that's good a couple of chapters later Um, people are asking him like this is he was just left Judea because Hmm. people were trying to kill him (laughs) and then someone comes and says tells him that Eliezer 
traditionally Lazarus uh, is really sick. And he says, let's go back. And the disciples are like, um, didn't we just leave there because people were trying to kill you? And Jesus is like, whatever, I don't care. Aren't there 12 hours during the day? Like, this is what it means to be in the light. Like, this is the time. Right now is the time to do things that are in the light. Being willing to go help and be with people who are suffering. Uh, even if it costs me. Because the point of being in the light is caring for others. The, being in the darkness is when I look out for myself at others' expense. Can we read the, those verses for folks who aren't watching? Yeah. Well, that's the context. And then, so this is Jesus' response. Aren't there 12 hours during the day? Jesus answered. If someone walks during the day, they don't run into anything since they see the light of this world. But if someone walks during the night, they run into things since the light is not with them. That's kind of a thank you, Captain Obvious kind of a statement to me. Mm -hmm. But... <laughs> But he's making a point. Yeah. He said these things, and later he told them, our friend Eliezer has fallen asleep. However, I am traveling there so I can wake him up. And that wake him up is this, one of these words for raise up, the traditionally. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he is literally going to go do that. Like, Eliezer is dead, dead, dead. Um, and he's comes back to life after this and and yeah, this later is a, in that a, chapter yeah and this is a, a incredible in some ways a parable like yes we're the divine will return to the place of hostility because someone he loves has fallen asleep has mm -hmm. entered the darkness um yeah, which is and the upon pattern arriving of the there, we'll, we'll cry. Yeah, and then call out, call forth. Um, great. All right, and we've got one more. It brings us to this last one here. Well, this is after all the things that we described there, with happening with Lazarus, with Eliezer being what reawakened, um, and the powers that be are getting really nervous <laughs> yes so um then it's about to talk about a voice as i start reading but if that's the this is my son with whom i'm well pleased is this voice that came from the heavens and this is what jesus is talking about here this voice didn't happen for my benefit but for yours jesus responded now is the assessment of this world system traditionally judgment of the world. But now the leader of this world system will be thrown outside, which calls back to me that idea of the camp, hmm. the light inside the camp mm -hmm. and the darkness outside, the outer darkness. And if I am lifted up from the ground, I will draw all people to me. It's that raised up language. He was saying this is a sign of the kind of death he was going to die, being very literally lifted up on a cross. Yeah. Then the crowd responded, we have heard from the Torah that the Christ stays present throughout the age. So how can you say that it's necessary for the son of humanity to be lifted up? 
Then Jesus told them, the light is still with you for a short time. Walk while you have the light, so the dark won't overtake you. Whoever walks in the dark can't see where they're going. While you have the light, place your trust in the light so you can become heirs of light. Now we may say for all six of these passages, the word of the Lord. Lord of the Lord, thanks be to God. Hmm. Yeah, this one brings them all three together again. Those those images that we've been working with. Yeah, it does. And I guess that's what I'd like to um, wrap up on here is just exploring what, like, let's recap. What do we see? so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. in these three metaphors being just pervasive across John, like there's probably a couple dozen more that we did not read. Um, mm-hmm. but allowing these metaphors to be related to each other, even yeah. if they're set apart. Yeah. But for you, the light, the light is, more and more clear as we go through these to me the sense of caring for each other building community doing relationship and conversation mm-hmm. um rather than the way of the darkness that's care for myself at others expense um and that anything that's gonna be like that is gonna be put in its place out to protect the community and including caesar all the way to the top like no we're done we're done and we're going to do that by refusing to take it anymore but not violently by dying by giving up ourselves that's how jesus is the light of the world Mm -hmm. and that's how he shines light on what it means to care for each other is by letting himself be publicly executed. Mm-hmm. Raising himself up so that others can be raised up again. Mm-hmm. And then coming to that final, that final sentence in this section, I think is the real payload to me of a lot of this that we've been talking about it's while you have the light place your trust in the light so while jesus is here he's saying trust that this everything that i'm telling you is the way to be is the is the path that you're choosing so that you could become heirs of light meaning so that you can start shining too it's the, like the candlelight service on christmas eve at churches where like everyone one candle and you take the other candle and it grows and grows and grows and it makes me think of matthew 5 in John, he says, I am the light of the world. You're my heirs. So the, the Matthew 5 sentence makes sense. Yeah. You are the light of the world. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's fun. We just jumped uh, authors. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's striking to me that how, how much Jesus being the light that illumines and awakens uh is really one of the core like you know somebody asks you what's the implica- what's the importance of jesus 
uh, the tradition I grew up with would have emphasized, um, a, they would have said it a couple different ways. One would be um, the importance of his death, like reconciling us to God, something about the wrath of God being satisfied, maybe. Um, and then he like lives with us in our hearts. Mm. John doesn't give a shit about <laughs> like either of those ways of thinking of this mm -hmm. at all. Um, like the, the light that is illuminating the world is the presence of Jesus period, a Christified humanity, this person. And yes, the, the glory of God, the radiance of God, the reputation and renown of God is in John most fully revealed on the cross, but not as a sacrifice as some, something else going on there, a sacrifice to end sacrifice, mm -hmm. maybe. But none of these things have like a wink over to, to us. Like, and we all know that when he says he's the light of the world, we especially mean his corpse. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, like, no, he's, he's talking about how he's living that provokes people to respond by killing him. Mm-hmm but it's not him dying per se. That's what John is talking about. Yeah. Like it's part of the total tapestry of the life lived Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. But like, what is the relevance of Jesus? Well, our tradition says Jesus and, and following the author of uh, the fourth gospel here says that um, Jesus is the light of the world, the light that is shines on all humanity and the whole world. That's not just an aside. That's not secondary. We don't need to let that be secondary to, well, actually, he's the sacrificial lamb that gives every predatory thing on the mercy seat. The atonement yeah. theology of John is the living presence of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Period. And that that's participatory, that's conversational, that um, light that shines on us, well, like light bounces off of me and light illumines you as well. Anybody who's painted a room from with dark walls to light walls knows that, right? Um, I'm thrilled by this to just lean into these metaphors mm -hmm. that, were, that, that the early church used to describe their friend Jesus and what he meant to them and what yeah. he they hope he means to everything everywhere. Mm -hmm. And maybe on that note, we'll wrap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank no you. No better place. Guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for this leg of the journey, sitting in the light with us. Uh, the easiest way to support Found in Translation is to leave us a rating or review on whatever website or app you're using to enjoy this conversation. It makes it easier for more people to find the show. The second best way to support the show is to become a sponsor for just $5 a month. When you do that, you get comment access on the Translations Google Doc uh, and the satisfaction that you are supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the episode notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Founding Translation was produced by Perry FM 
on unceded Chinook and Kalapuya land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody. <laughs>